You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Fly on this sick plane, uh, you know, to Regina or Calgary or well, whatever. Or to Fargo and then drive to Winnipeg. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Travis Curra with Brazilian Tide, and... Ty, I think it's time we pull back the curtain a little bit. What do you say? Okay. <laughs> We're coming up on episode 250 of uh-huh. uh, the podcast. I, I think we're in the 240s right now. I, I don't exactly know uh, where we are. But uh, there have been some lost episodes here and there. We will say that. There's been some technical difficulties there's been some frankenstein episodes that i've had to patch together mm-hmm. literally <laughs> um but i think for the first time we can come out with the two and out the lost tapes what do you think i think this is a terrible idea this is the second time we're recording this episode of the show <laughs> because the last one went so poorly. It, it went off the rails about two minutes in, and I don't remember any of it. <laughs> I don't know if one day we'll... <laughs> that I will release the clip of what exactly happened. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to. Maybe we'll wait till the statute of limitations is Yeah, up. like, holy. <laughs> but here we are again for a second time. In the Huddle with Karan Tai on the Two and Out podcast. And this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by ATB. I, I do want to let you know about their new podcast. It's called The Future Of. You can join Todd Hirsch, ATB's vice president and chief economist, as he connects with special guests who offer unique and useful perspectives about the future. Explore how our economy and communities can not only brace for change, but embrace the opportunity it creates. From the future of women in business to the changing nature of work itself, The Future Of helps Helps us understand what's coming and what we need to do today to get the tomorrow we want. Featuring two new episodes each month plus bonus episodes, the future of includes interviews with top community and business leaders from Alberta and around the world. Subscribe to the future of in the Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found. And connect to ask your listeners about the future by emailing thefutureof at atb.com. I want to get going here by mentioning a story. I think it's from Pickering, Ontario. And I saw this yesterday, and I got to say, man, it it broke my heart. Um, 18-year-old kid Josh Telemac um, lost his grandma. 
And in his high school yearbook, he left a message of tribute to her in there. But somehow along the way, his message was replaced with some racial slurs in there. And I I can imagine how it broke this young man's heart to finally get his yearbook. And I'm guessing hundreds of other kids who got the yearbook to see this. But the community has rallied around him. And he had his big uh, 18th birthday parade. And this young man loves football. And the Toronto Argonauts showed up to this parade, and they told him that he's got a four-year scholarship to any university he goes to, and they're going to pay for his education as long as he is in university. And I have to say that is just an all-time class move from the Argos. I don't know if any of this stuff will really heal the pain of what he's going through but man that move by the Argos that's just massive I I love seeing that yeah it's awesome and they do so much and we've seen over the last couple days just their involvement in the community and you know what they're doing with with uh food banks and stuff like that and you know we we rag on Toronto as it yeah I I don't believe Toronto is a hockey city. It's a leaf city. Uh, you know, they don't, like, you, they, the Argos don't get the support, really. Uh, you know, the Jays only get fans when they're winning kind of thing. But what these, what all the teams do, and, you know, the Argos have just been highlighted lately, what they do in that city, in that community, and even, you know, province-wide is, is something that should be admired and, you know, given praise for because it's, it's something they don't have to do. It's something they choose to do. And, you know, pinball being in the back of that organization and being a big part of it, I think has something to do with it as well. Let's talk about what's going on, uh, football in Canada in general here. Uh, sometimes Ty, I kind of feel like th- there are a number of Canada or Canadian football organizations, but they all seem kind of on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I believe they would be stronger if they worked together in, in more ways than one. So here's what's happening this month. There's a ton of virtual calls happening over Zoom with leaders from Football Canada, the CFL, the CJFL, U Sports, and leaders from Canada West, OUA, RSEQ, and AUS are uh, are are on these calls, and they're discussing all sorts of new things. And you can read about it at, at CFL.ca, what they are talking about. Um, Football Canada President Jim Mullen has been really big um, in this and spearheading this summit. And we've had him on the show a few times to preview the Vanier Cup. The man just loves Canadian football. There's no... There's no way around it. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be talking about programming and new engagement. you got to get new kids involved in uh, football because there has been a time when <laughs> I know it feels weird now. It, it almost seems like the future of anything is <laughs> in question. But the, the future of football 
was really in question with some parents nervous to send their kids into football when they're banging heads together at such a young age and things like that. I, I do feel sometimes that football gets a bit of a bad news or bad uh, bad rap, rap. because, uh, I mean, hockey's not exactly the safest sport either, but oh, <laughs> Canadians kind of turn a blind eye to that. <laughs> yeah, Tell that to Mark Savard that hockey's safe. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they're going to be talking about comp- competitions and events, uh, international, uh, solidifying Canada's position as a global global leader in football, information and visibility, and alignment. And I kind of wonder if that's the most important part here. Um, seeing a way that they can align... Uh, events maybe with the CFL because obviously the CFL has the most eyes on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing where I think sometimes the CFL can struggle is to have its players known. Um, sometimes these Canadians, they don't really have much of an audience growing up. They're the diehards that follow you sports and follow their career until they're into the CFL and they cheer for them because they're from their community, but it needs to be easier to follow. Sometimes it's really hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) to keep up with you sports. And sometimes that has to do with um, the television deals, right? Uh, Yeah. It's really hard to find. Well, not hard to find, but it's hard to get. Uh, yeah, esports yeah. football on your TV on TV like I mean yeah this Sportsnet uh, I think on 360 they have you know OUA stuff but that's basically it Shaw carries Can West but I mean it's it's not marketed it's not advertised there's there's nothing to let you know when the games are you have to go search for it and you know sometimes when an NCAA player gets drafted into the NFL a lot of people have known these guys. Mm-hmm. for, you know, two or three years. I, I know it's different. I realize it's different. There's 110,000 people at some of those games in the States. So it, it's a completely different market. I, I totally get it. But I, I think it can begin and start with having the Vanier Cup in the same city as the Grey Cup. I think that is a massive thing that would happen and expose CFL fans to uh, U sports. Even, I, I don't know if they could do something like this. Maybe Saskatoon and Regina could be joint hosts or Edmonton and Calgary or Toronto and Hamilton, something like that. So that at least the games are in the same province and the Grey Cup doesn't only take up, you know, the, the downtown core of the city it's in, but almost the entire province of where it's being held. I, I don't hate that idea. The only thing is, uh, the way they have it right now, I mean, you're helping to support those schools, right? Like, I mean, if you only, if you're yeah, going to do it in the same city sure. as, if you're going to do it in the same city as the Grey Cup, I mean, that's just nine cities. You know, there's other, there's, there's other cities that have programs. Yeah. Like you look at, Quebec City would never get it. Not that, you know, Laval needs more money pumped into their system, but <laughs> but like you know, like a, a place like Western or uh, you know Saskatoon, it, it's it's nice to stimulate that uh, stimulate that school and their program too. But 
if you're going to look at it strictly from a point of view of trying to get eyes on the game, then yeah, it should be in the same city as Grey Cup. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, I was at the 2011 and 2012 Vanier Cups in uh, Vancouver and Toronto. That 2011 game was... <laughs> second second best football game of all time. What do you call him the first? 2005 National Championship between Texas and USC. Not even close. It's not even close. And you're calling that Vanier the second best, hey? Yeah. That's pretty uh that's pretty high praise. I watched it in a hockey rink. <laughs> you were like watching it on your phone or what? <laughs> No, the hockey rink had it on the TVs. It was a, it was a, yeah. I was at the Bob. I was working for the Bobcats that year. Lloyd Minster's Junior A hockey team playing the the Vanier Cup in there. That's awesome. Well, there's no hockey games on, so they put that on. (laughs) I might, I might have had something to do with it. Uh, I think bottom line here, if there's more of a uh, partnership between these entities in Canada it's only it's a no-brainer I mean it's it's Mm -hmm. it's the best way going forward and what better time to figure it out I know they can't get together and be in the same room but really there's nothing else to do so uh no we got nothing but time yeah let's let's figure this stuff out and uh we'll see what they come up with after the month uh wraps up here I guess they're going to uh, let us know what they've discussed, and it's the first time it's been done since 2006. <laughs> That's significant. So hopefully, uh, some good comes out of this. Uh, speaking of some kids uh, that are going to be drafted into the CFL, uh, the Scouting Bureau has published its first edition of the top 20 prospects eligible for the 2021 draft. Uh, the number one player listed is uh, an offensive lineman playing in Iowa right now. And this is going to be one of the most interesting drafts of all time. Like, we thought that we couldn't predict a draft in a normal year. (laughs) I don't know how (laughs) this is going to go. Obviously, the guys playing in the NCAA they probably have a bit of a leg up, don't they? Because I I would think so. Some aren't playing, but some are playing. And it's going to be tough for the other Canadian players to get noticed. I mean, are, are scouts going to look at their, you know, 2019 stuff? Well, that's the thing. Like they don't have they're not going to have the eyes on them this year. Uh, you know, yeah. if, whether or not they've gotten better or worse, uh, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, you know, as as they get older, it, it's tough. And like you said, the, the kids that are able to play in the leagues uh, and the conferences that are in the NCAA right now, they're definitely going to have a leg up because, you know, scouts are seeing them on a weekly basis. So then if next year does happen, there will be uh, two crops of rookies fighting to uh... – Make it into uh, a CFL roster. <laughs> I know we're a long way out from this even happening, but training camp 2021, that's going to be a mess. <laughs> oh, they're going to have 130-man rosters. Oh, yeah. oh so uh, Chris Jones, Rough Riders. 
Yeah, but they won't all be paid. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> this, not, this, this isn't Laval. <laughs> and uh, the CFL, towards the end of September, uh, they revealed a list of 10 Nagless players from each team. And I know for the past few years, a lot of uh, fans have been saying, oh, we want to see the Nagless. We want to see the Naglists. And Why? You know what? Sometimes they, they release the neg lists, and it's oh, who are these guys? You know what I mean? Um, so maybe you've got a chance to research some new players while nothing's going on. I mean that that's an opportunity. It's not always you know these big names coming out of NCAA or in the NFL, but uh, there have been some neg list players who come onto the roster and make an impact. A guy like Marcus Sales, Lucky Whitehead. They were both Nagless players for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and they both made mm-hmm. impacts uh, on their rosters. Uh, each team has rights for up to 45 players. And, I mean, clearly with both of those guys being uh, Winnipeg Nagless picks, they got to be doing something right there. And I know it's hard to admit, but they're the defending champs for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> and it keeps going on and on. <laughs> I just yeah, hope, we'll never hear the end of it. I just hope they're not the last Grey Cup champions. Look, they're gonna they're gonna start comparing themselves to the to the Eskimos winning five straight <laughs> Grey Cups just because they they've had it for so long. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this tie, uh, but the um, Alouettes they ended up signing a, a new ten year deal with Nolanor uh, Aviation. Uh, keeping the company as the team's official charter flight partner. And, man, they, they customized this entire plane for the Alouettes. And I know the Cavis era of the Owls, there was a lot of, <laughs> well, uh, money going in all sorts of different directions, being it towards players or not. But this is a mm-hmm. big league move from the Alouettes, and I don't know if the new owners had anything to do with this, but this looks awesome. Uh, yeah, can I? Where do I sign up? <laughs> yeah, well, and I think the Owls have done something like this before, where uh, fans can join the team on a charter flight and fly on this sick plane, uh, you know, to Regina or Calgary or well, whatever, or to Fargo and then drive to Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> Still with the airport jokes. Never changed, I Never changed. Don't plan on it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw this story pop across, but it was about Thadric Hansen, also of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, he's playing football in Poland right now, uh, but there was an interview with him because he just had a game where he had a couple interceptions, and he said... You know who I learned from? It was Willie Jefferson. It's one of those plays we always see in the CFL where, you know, the defensive end will drop back and just, you know, pick a quarterback off. It doesn't help that Willie Jefferson has the Eight wingspan. Feet tall and a 13 foot wingspan. Yeah, the man's an albatross. Like, he just <laughs> opens his wings and, yeah, it's pretty tough to miss him. But the reason I bring him up is because. He's one of the 
the the success stories of the CFL mm-hmm. 2.0. And I, I know a lot of people are quick to dismiss the initiative and I think a lot of it just has to do with Ambrosi and uh, what's happening Mm -hmm. in the CFL right now but if you kind of look at it like uh, the CFL draft say you look at the first two rounds of the draft how many of those players are on rosters making impacts in the first year not very many not many at all, but Hansen had the highlight of the Grey Cup. <laughs> he had the biggest hit of the game on special teams. He became a contributor on that team. And again, it's just the coaching in Winnipeg seemed to treat him as a member of that locker room, gave him an opportunity to contribute, and he contributed in the biggest game of the season. So hopefully he comes back. And is that something you'd like to continue going into the future or seeing that program expand? Because it does seem to go both ways. He's playing pro football in Poland, and he's he's sort of become an ambassador for the CFL there, right? Because he, he won a championship there, got some playing time and he, he got to make a paycheck and Mm -hmm. there are good athletes all over the world. I think expanding that athlete pool is, is only good. Finding these guys, finding other places to play football and to carry on their career is not a bad thing. No. Um, you know, and maybe at some point they are able to make it back into the CFL and, and and get on with a team. This just gives them, it just lets them, you know, exercise their football muscle. Like it lets them play game and play games and get reps. And and there's nothing bad about that. Should should the CFL maybe be trying to you know fix and focus on what's going on at home a little yeah. more? Yeah, maybe, maybe. And it's not even a maybe; it's a yes. But. You know, these guys are getting a chance and, and an opportunity somewhere else to play. It, it, it's, why is that a bad thing? There, there are plenty of stories of Canadians who can't quite make the NHL, but they end up going to Europe. Yeah, you're talking to one. <laughs> did you play pro hockey in Europe? Did I, did I miss something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just thought we were talking about Canadians that couldn't make the NHL. Yeah. I didn't think we were talking about pro I couldn't make it players. either. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can run a mean power play when I was 11. <laughs> okay, take me through an 11-year-old power play. You give the puck to Lenny Thunderchild and let him one-time it every time. And you get 60 assists a year. <laughs> You're the uh, old Adam Oates of your team, hey? I couldn't win a draw, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was like Eric Brewer more. <laughs> but there are a ton of CFL or uh, Canadian hockey players that don't quite make it to the NHL, mm-hmm. but they go to Europe, and uh, they make a nice mm-hmm. little living, and, I mean, that's quite the experience. Now, talking yeah. and, and saying that, it's uh, a bit weird to talk about that because who knows how or if – that system's going to be back anytime soon uh, for yeah. a, a Canadian player being able to go to you know the LFA in Mexico and play pro football there with the borders, the things going on. Maybe, and 
I'm just spitballing here. I don't know. Is it going to be a focus on Canadian uh, only? Because the NHL is looking at uh, 2021, and there was talk of basically it being the Canadian division, right? Without the borders being uh, 100% open, it might just be the Canadian teams playing each other for a little bit. Uh, And that'll suck. The WHL uh, announced that their season, or at least they have a target date for early January, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be Saskatchewan and Manitoba, the teams playing each other. Just the Alberta teams, just the BC teams, just the American teams playing each other. It's increasingly looking like next year is going to, they need to find a, a new solution because I, I don't think it's going to yeah. be what it was in 2019 and before. Not until something gets figured out for sure. Like, I, I don't know what, like, it's it's a crapshoot right now. And the NHL, want, like you, like you mentioned, you know, realigning divisions. Like, I want to watch an Oiler game at four in the afternoon. <laughs> like, how how is that good for me? I'd rather not have a season. But <laughs> the the best part is just how unapologetically I, selfish but, you can be. Like if it doesn't fit oh, 100%. If it doesn't fit into your schedule, it's trash. Like I, I I have I have never been so happy to live in mountain in the mountain time zone as I as I was, you know, when the playoffs started back up. For NHL, and I was in yeah. BC, and everything, and, and you know, the early game starts at four. Well, I missed the first two games because I'm at work still. Mm-hmm. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> so, according to Mr. Rod Peterson, uh, the city of Edmonton is being looked at as a bubble city in 2021. Mm. Now, this is sort of a. Uh, Deja vu, because Edmonton was being looked at as a bubble city for 2020. And ultimately, it ended up going to Winnipeg uh, before everything sort of uh, fell apart there. Uh, And and I think it turned out being uh, a bidding thing uh, to the CFL between uh, Winnipeg, Calgary, Regina, and Edmonton. Are we going to see the entire... They can't do the entire season in the bubble in Edmonton, can they? I don't even know if that's realistic. <laughs> it's 0% realistic. Uh, if you're going to do a bubble, that means you can't you can't have fans in a bubble. Yeah. You can't. And if you can't have fans in the CFL, how is it going to survive? No, no they have, well, yeah, let's just say about eight months to sort of figure things out now that's to a a start of the season things need to be figured out far before that and if there's one thing we know about the cfl is that they stay on top of trying to get stuff figured out they don't wait till the last minute and force a deal down players throats or anything it's been very quiet lately hasn't it and that (laughs) silence is deafening deafening (laughs) and who knows what's happening really behind the scenes, but if CFL is the bubble city, I, I don't think we can really look forward to having uh, an 18-game season. No. Uh, I don't think how the, I don't think that could work 
um, if you're doing the bubble format. Um, I don't know if there... I kind of wondered if there would be a bubble um, in each division. The West and the East, I don't know, play... You, you mm-hmm. can't even play each team twice because the West would be playing more games. So yeah, uh, they need to get creative. They need to do it fast. But Edmonton and Vancouver are no-brainers for bubble cities, right? I, I think with 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 the facilities and you know the opportunity for or not opportunity the availability of hotels and everything. I mean, Regina probably not. Winnipeg, you can't even get there. <laughs> it's a long drive. You, you don't you don't want to have more than one game a week at McMahon because it'll fall apart. <laughs> Like I, there's there's not a lot of options. Ontario's a, a hotbed right now, and you know it's it's a crapshoot. Montreal. I guess Edmonton sort of is a hotbed it's, too. <laughs> it's, it's, it's turning into one again. Yes, uh, but I mean, it's just I, I think the, the easiness of and the availability of you know accommodations because you're looking at a 46 man roster plus your practice squad plus your coaches and team staff and all that it, it adds up quick mm-hmm. you got to find you know over a thousand places to put people because everybody's getting their own room you're not going to have guys sharing rooms yeah i wouldn't think so it it becomes an, a real big issue with availability and you know number of rooms and the nhl was able to do it uh granted smaller rosters and everything and you know it worked but I just don't see it working for the CFL just on based on numbers and you know the fact that they need it's a gate driven league and we've said that time and time again. I just don't see how a bubble works for the CFL other than the fact they get to play and and you know they get eyes on the TV. But that's about it. Like other than that, I just don't see it being successful when it comes when financially. I should say like I, I don't see it being an issue health and player safety wise. Yeah, I guess I have hope by next. June, May, whatever, that we're not back to normal, but maybe <laughs> they could, you know, do a 10% capacity at Commonwealth or BC Place. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. They're letting some fans in the stadium in the States and the Americans. 10% capacity at Commonwealth would still be more than what the Argos get. <laughs> See, it all comes back around. We gave them the compliments, and now. Yeah. <laughs> The hammer. Nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. (laughs) So I don't know. Could they? If you put five or ten thousand fans at Commonwealth Stadium, I mean, you could probably social distance that way, right? Yeah. Uh, But then again, is that going to give them any money? Probably not. That's a lot less than you know twenty nine, thirty thousand people in the stands. Yeah, uh, I mean, any little bit would help, one would argue, but you're just, you know, putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. Yeah. Really. It continues to be uncertain times. Uh, I hope you had Mm -hmm. yourself a good Thanksgiving. What did you get up to, Ty? Uh, Mom made tacos. Thanksgiving tacos? Well, that sounds no awesome. Me and turkey, so <laughs> wait, you don't I eat turkey? Home. I don't really like it. Like on a, I don't. I, I like turkey buns. Like I'll put it on a bun, but I'm not one to just 
eat turkey. It's the most overrated of the meats. But do you eat I got chicken? home. Yeah, I got 20 wings sitting on my table right now from 7-Eleven yesterday. <laughs> oh, no. Like, were they ever in the fridge? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Let us know how that goes. Okay. Uh, not not great. <laughs> uh, tell us about these tacos. Is that your favorite food? Um, oh, it might be. It's definitely top five. And then, you know what mom does with the leftover taco meat? What? Make, shepherd, make shepherd's pie with it. Whoa. Yeah. So that's what I had for dinner on Tuesday. You know, Ty actually had some good food takes today. Every now and then. I don't know about the turkey, though. Then. I, I think... It, it's overrated. I, I don't think it's overrated. You just like it You just like it because you drench it in gravy. No, I, I don't really use the gravy all that much. I uh, I believe that a turkey technically should not be roasted because the breast... You have to cook every every part differently. Because they have different cooking times. That's why, yeah. that's why it just dries the hell out yeah. a lot of the time. Um, yep. But I brined mine for 16 hours, and uh, I cooked it a couple weeks ago and then took a lot of the leftovers camping in Jasper over the weekend and ate turkey buns around the fire. And let me tell you, that was a good way to spend a Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's not terrible. I'm still thawing out, though. <laughs> I, I, spent, I spent my Thanksgiving driving 13 hours home. Oh, Nothing like driving through the mountains in the dark so you don't see anything. <laughs> yeah, nothing like waking up in the mountains in your, your tent with the, you know six inches of snow on it. <laughs> yeah. The sun comes up an hour later because of the mountains yeah. blocking all the sunlight. But I brought that on myself. I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, who goes camping for Thanksgiving? Like it's it's cold as as it's cold AF. That, that's what fire is like, for. I don't even like camping on May Long, let alone Thanksgiving. <laughs> I know. I, you thought May Long was crazy. Thanksgiving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sleeping in the mountains. Yeah, that, that proves yeah. how sane I am, I guess. <laughs> yeah. S- sane, sane, sane would be one way to put it, yeah. <laughs> this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation. Whether it's funding anti-racism programs, addiction recovery, or food hampers for the hungry, for 65 years, the Calgary Foundation has proudly supported the charitable community to address some of Calgary's biggest challenges. Now, during this period of unprecedented urgent needs, the Calgary Foundation renewed its commitment to building a healthy, vibrant, giving, caring, and resilient community. If you're a registered charity looking for a grant, a professional advisor creating a giving plan for your client, or a donor wanting to give back to the community, discover a wealth of resources at calgaryfoundation.org and learn more about their work through Calgary Foundation's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's a little bit of a check-in from the 2 and Out CFL podcast. I'm Travis Cura. He's Brazilian Thai. We'll be back soon to talk about... Who knows what? My my crap diet, probably, when I go back to camp. Yes, I, I am looking forward to that. Rate, review, and subscribe at your favorite podcatcher. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.
Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.